0: Yeah, but, I mean, man, just, I, like, I just hate that they're growing up. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, what's really weird is that the summer, I mean, it
1: seemed long when we were in it. Mm-hmm. Now it kind of just seems like it flew by. And I think part of that is because of the chaos that ensued. Yeah. Because our separate families didn't really, well, we didn't really plan the vacation time the best we could. We did the best we could. hmm But there was some overlap time there, where we just couldn't record, man. Yeah
0: you know i mean the thing that sucks is like i know that all of you folks out there that don't have kids are just like rolling your eyes and you're like Ugh, whatever like you know but i in saying that i know for a fact that all of our parent listeners out there completely understand because just summer in general is, it's just really difficult woody and i both work from home most days i guess and uh, you know the kids are at the house, and then it's like, oh, and then now we're going on, you know, family trip for a week plus, and like,
1: mm-hmm. and I feel
0: like half of like the summer was spent for like soccer camps, and
1: mm-hmm. it's just
0: like one thing after the other, and so I am extremely happy that uh, at least my oldest is starting back school this week. So yeah,
1: and I, you know, the difficult part is just trying to get anything accomplished while at home and the kids being at home. It's impossible. So all of that to say, the end of camp rad strangeness is here, Mm -hmm. our very own summer camp. Mm -hmm. You know, this year we did something a little different with it being more sort of like pinpointed and internationally focused. And I thought it was awesome. Yeah, me too. Um, And we talked about a bunch of weird creatures and stuff. And you know, I had one idea initially. I guess we both did uh, of what we wanted to cover for this finale. But you know, I gotta. I'm I'm excited for this to be the end in the sense that I'm ready to kind of dive into some strange sort of pre-internet mysteries and and talking about some of the, uh, you know, some of the VHS tapes that I have mm. been. Reorganizing on the shelves here at the studio, yeah. and and just kind of getting into that kind of stuff again. I am mm-hmm. just a little cryptid it out, you know what
0: I mean? Yeah, I mean it. It's cool because, like, you know, all the stuff we're heavily into, you know, but like you guys, we are, you know, we've never sort of pinned our podcast as like, oh, well, we're a paranormal podcast, or we're a this podcast or this podcast, or, this podcast and because. You know, ultimately the podcast, you know, for our new listeners, our old listeners, you know, already know this, but we're just two best friends talking about things that interest us and stuff that we're into. And that may be 80s and 90s nostalgia, comics, you know, Mo- Woody's new manga and anime obsession, you know, whatever. It's it's just like a, an outlet for us, two best friends talking about things they're into and that's it. And so... As much as we're into Camp Rad Strangeness, and I like, I did like the, the international part of it, uh, but I will say, like, boy, it's hard not to come back to the U.S. because the U.S. has, like, so much. Well, and we're
1: more familiar with right, it. Right, right, exactly. And it's a lot easier to find that information at your fingertips. I mean, some of the stuff that we found was so obscure. Mm-hmm. And, like, <clears> a lot of times, too, we kind of, and I feel like we're kind of doing, like, a... Um, What's it called? Like a, like an apology tour? Debriefing? No, oh. like a debriefing at the end of the thing. We're not even into the finale here yet. <laughs> right. But like, so much of this stuff that we found, we were like, "Man, this is awesome!" But should we save it for an October? Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, for sure. And so it was. It was pretty <clears throat> hard. But here is what's cool, man. One of the one I would say one of my favorite episodes that we did this summer mm-hmm. was actually just a couple of weeks ago when we talked about well the topic. It, Itself was the Kennahar giant. Yeah. But that led us into a direction where we started talking, as we often do, about sort of like ancient gods mm-hmm. and, and more specifically in that episode, some biblical yeah the Nephilim and. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, the phylum, goodness gracious. Oh my gosh, man. <laughs> I re listened to that episode, you know, because full disclosure, by the time we put an episode out, mm-hmm and we've edited it, and I've, you know, done sound design and all this kind of stuff, I don't listen to it once it's published. So I do appreciate it. Sometimes some folks will reach out and say, hey, I noticed, you know, on this uh, app, it was kind of like glitchy or whatever. Can you just check it out and make sure it's, you know, not the file? So sometimes I'll go back. Anyhow, Mm -hmm. I listened to this one, though, because I was like, man, I really want to, like, re-listen to that and, uh, and, you know, hear that conversation. And then the second that I did... Boy, I could have punched myself straight in the face. I kept on saying Nephilim. Yeah. And I, I think that's more of like a bio, biology nerd
0: sort of... It does uh, sound like fi, like phylum. Yeah. 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 So anyhow, my apologies. Well, Nephilim. the funny part was I, in real time, because I would specifically say Nephilim, and then two yeah. seconds later... Well, you, I would just do it wrong. You would say it wrong. <laughs> so I just let you go with it. Yeah, well... Although heck for all we know, I mean, you know, that stuff dates back to like the Book of Enoch and Jubilees and the apocrypha and Dead Sea Scrolls. So like, I mean, for all we know, you know, as far as like a pop culture topic such as the mm-hmm. Nephilim, for all we know, we're saying it wrong already. Right, right. So yeah. You actually could could be right.
1: I mean, it opened up a door into like my I would say it revitalized my interest in in things like the Book of Enoch and the Dead Sea Scrolls mm-hmm. and kind of reading about these, the the other fall from from Grace, basically, mm-hmm. that the, these watchers, like all that stuff that we talked about in that episode, which you can listen to.
0: Hear more about this rad strangeness on. That would be rad. Season three, episode 25, Giants Among Us, The Legend of the Kandahar Giant.
1: Has really kind of ignited this, this interest to kind of explore that stuff mm-hmm. over the next year or so, just on my own. And then maybe maybe we can come back and, and kind of talk about some of the things that we learned. But in saying all of that, mm-hmm. I found this story as I was just kind of reading uh, a couple weekends ago. And I thought, you know what, man, this somehow kind of glues it all together in a weird way. And you and I, I, I sent you like a picture, so we, bear, we like briefly kind of talked about it. I'm sure you're familiar with the uh, the term, but I had never actually heard about um,
0: what we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. And are you ready to dive in? By the way, yeah. I mean, I, I have no idea what you're about to talk about. All right. So and, and wait, I is found- this like the intro and then? Yeah, man. It. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of us should say Rad Strangest, then another should say international. You know what I'm saying? Well, come. Two (laughs) camp. Radness. Like what do you No, (laughs) one of us would say Welcome to Camp Rad Strangeness. International.
1: Howdy, campers, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad. We are a podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, manga, pre-internet mysteries, and trying to raise our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. We are your camp counselors, Woody Brown and Tyler Benz. Okay, man, let's dive into this week's Topic. Yeah, man. Okay, folks, it's the end of summer camp. We're about to load you up on the school bus mm-hmm. and
0: head you back home to your folks. Well, no, a technically be- loading them up on the shuttle so they go to the airport because it's international. Oh, oh, it's international. You're right. Okay, cool.
1: So yeah, we loaded you up on the shuttle. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So we spent a lot of time in Asia this summer. Mm-hmm. But this week, to kind of wrap it all up, I'm actually going to take you to Ireland. Ooh, I like it. We're going to step into this mysterious world of some Irish mythology. This is kind of how it kind of brings it all back here. There are legends of bloodthirsty giants that roam the ancient lands of Ireland, but also some strange tales of, like, supernatural beings that are part human and part beast. hmm Today we're gonna talk about these supernatural beings known as Fomorians. I have never heard of that. So picture this, Tyler. And listener. Mm -hmm. Colossal giants emerging from the depths of the sea. Their dark hair and skin hinting at a distant potential African or Asian origin landing on the coast of Ireland or perhaps grotesque creatures with one eye one leg and one arm or even human bodies with the eerie heads of goats Mm -hmm. here's the thing about the Fomorians there is a large diverse cast of creatures here that we're talking about Mm -hmm. you don't remember the picture that I sent you that
0: has like There's like a dog-faced man and like a sheep and vaguely but i think i'm thinking of the well i don't think you sent me a picture of this but for some reason i think i'm thinking of like the the ancient greek wasn't there's like a culture of like dog-faced men
1: yeah and some of this stuff
0: actually does trace back to
1: some ancient greek stuff Mm-hmm. And might even have ties to one of your favorite things, but we're
0: not gonna say it out loud just now. Mm. Hold on a second. Okay. Yeah, the synocephali, Cynocephaly. That's yeah. what I'm thinking of. Oh yeah, that's super weird. Yeah. Just yeah, you should have just said different... like fish man. That was the... Yeah, there's a fish, there's a
1: dog, there's like a little red baby thing, like a frog man. Oh no, you know what that Almost looks like, like a go ahead.
0: That looks like the little red red dwarf oh uh, yeah yeah that we talked about yeah we, we did a show about it he's like the little in michigan because it had to do with like the there's it, one there yeah you're right and then the there was one that we talked about in
1: ireland too right that had to do with the uh the shoe dude yes
0: hear more about this rad strangeness on that would be rad season 2 episode 36 michigan monsters and mysteries
1: here's the cool thing about the Fomorians. so even the very name is shrouded in mystery here Honestly, it's still kind of debated on what it truly means mm-hmm. if you're looking at, at the etymology. Foe is said to refer to something hidden, concealed, or even beneath, mm. while more beckons the sea or the realm of spirits, demons, and even giants.
0: Mm.
1: So one thing that we're going to find is a lot of folks don't know, like, were these beings from the underworld? rising to claim the land of mortals or did they like a lot of people kind of theorize sail across vast oceans to conquer ireland from other countries looking so sort of foreign to these uh native irish that they didn't know what to make of them and just considered them beasts of you know large stature
0: and giants and 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 so folks you can't see this picture that woody just sent me but I mean just imagine an entire sailing vessel coming up on your shore and it's the weirdest mutants you've ever seen. It's yeah. l- it's like the cast of like the Morlocks from the X-Men. Yeah or if it's it's like the Island of Doctor Moreau but Yeah right. These guys Good. are like
1: Viking sailors with yeah. crazy weapons and stuff. Yeah. Well, a lot of this stuff like you kind of mentioned almost accidentally kind of does trace back to like greek origin there is somewhat a tie to an entity that we are definitely going to do an entire episode on Mm -hmm. and that is pan because something i didn't know about pan was that apparently
0: he also had children Mm. did you know that i feel like i did but i that's about as far as it goes like, I don't know anything about them. It, it Real quick before you get into this, does it have something to do with, like, like uh, the deity, the goddess, like, uh, Lilith? No. No, so like, so, be- so for
1: those of you that don't know uh, who we're talking about, we're not talking about Peter Pan. Mm. We're talking about Pan, this goat god akin to satyrs, basically, mm-hmm. of Dionysus. Yeah. And he pretty much preferred, like, a solitary existence and... You know, it's funny, early on in folklore and stuff, well, let me describe him real quick just so that you guys can be on the same page as us. So Pan, and again, we're going to do a deep dive. This isn't the place for us to kind of go into it, but I just want to make sure we're all on the, Mm -hmm. at least on the same page as we get started here. Pan had the head and a torso of a man, but his hairy ears were sharply pointed, small horns curled from his forehead, and he had these shaggy legs that entered in, I mean, ended in sort of, glittering cloven hooves mm-hmm. there are some that dispute his parentage but all agreed that when his mother saw her hideous infant with its oddly shaped eyes and goatish limbs that she abandoned it yeah. and anyhow the the kind of connection here between him and potentially the fomorians is that he saw this nymph this mountain nymph named syrinx mm. and followed her to the banks of the stream anyway he, he like tried to quarter and stuff and eventually um, begin having, like, kids here and there. So, that is
0: a potential origin mm. for uh, the Fomorian sort of people. But... Well, and, and and real quick, just so people that may not have a visual still, like, think of, you know, the little, like, fawns in Fantasia. Mr. Know. Tumnus. Yeah, Mr. Tum- Tumn- yeah, Midsummer Night's Dream. There's a lot of that. Stardust, you'll see Charles Vess and Neil Gaiman have a lot of, like, fawn and... And uh, like Satyr's in the background. Also, coincidentally, uh, that is my character in our current D&D campaign. (laughs) Yep. uh, Which is pretty cool. But no, what he's talking about is it sounds just like, oh, it's just sort of a throwaway deity or demigod. But in actuality, if you really start diving in to the stuff that we're into, a lot of stuff comes back around to point to like, maybe this has something to do with Pan because he was sort of this you know this joseph campbell trickster archetype this like god of mischief Mm -hmm. so he actually is like a a pretty substantial character in like sort of the fringe topics that we talk about so yeah we definitely will have another show but carry on well what's interesting about pan in general and
1: the the initial sort of folklore especially in the greek tradition Mm -hmm. about him was that he actually would be less trickster more helpful toward shepherds and stuff in fact he would help fend off wolves and beasts and stuff to keep the sheep safe and then also bring about and point toward you know where
0: people could find and hunt
1: wild game
0: so well well, and he would also turn into you're talking about like more of like the seder thing but what i'm talking about is like somewhere throughout the ages he would kind of morph into like or, or sort of join into like the idea of like the spirit of the forest or like a forest elemental or like the green man. You know, Mm -hmm. you'll often see those like those little things on trees where it shows, you know, it's like a face made out of like leaves and stuff. He sort of joins into that. And so it's this sort of idea of like sort of the, the wildness of nature sort of personified. Yeah. And it's funny with a lot lot of these like old gods and stuff, Mm -hmm.
1: I think sometimes, especially because I mean, they truly are so ancient that, so many things kind of get blurred and oftentimes in this instance for example just talking about pan i often wonder like do you think people may have sort of not confused but it's like it started out as this thing and now it becomes this thing in other words there may be something else afoot and they're just sort of saying oh you know it's pan or whatever but let's dive back. Let's get back into the Fulmorians real quick because I do want to sort of save. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our discussion of Pan for mm-hmm. another episode. Well, I found in this old book. I think by the time the listeners are listening to this show, I probably would have already posted the uh, the book on our Instagram just for fun that I that I've been thumbing through, and it's the Enchanted World books. Uh, oh, that's by- awesome and this one specifically was the magical beast book where i found this information and this is just super neat so listen to this it says on wilder shores however beast creatures long maintained the memory of the old world mm. but even these straggling survivors of the elder days eventually found themselves in opposition to a newer stronger race now i'm going to stop right there for just a second
0: after these messages will be right back
1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
0: America's future can be determined by
1: our dreams and our visions. It was very intense.
0: For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man-like creatures.
1: Another
0: dimension? Another world? I don't know. The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad.
1: This is the kind of stuff that blows my mind. I know where you're going. Because... You know, and we've talked about it on the show before when we kind of make reference to Neil Gaiman and his, mm-hmm. like, the the American, American gods. gods book, yep. where there are these old gods and old magic. And over time, these old belief systems and, and things that have once had a lot of power, now because more and more people either don't know about them or don't believe in them, mm-hmm. have little to no power, right? And right. so that's kind of what this little paragraph, two sentences is talking about and to that's what made me want to do this episode when i read that sequence of sentences i was like okay we got to talk about this yeah so it says such was the case in ireland that island remote in its gray sea was richly green and rolling fat trout leaped in its streams and stags called on its mountains the valleys were crowded with hazel woods and thickly buried bushes It was a welcoming country for strangers and as its legends tell it was settled repeatedly by competing tribes. This is so cool man. At the time of its most famous early conflict there were three of these competing tribes. The challenging race was called the Tuatha de Danan. They were thought to be magicians or perhaps even gods. They certainly were of more than mortal beauty. Although of human form, they had come from northern lands that no one had seen arriving in a mist that blanketed Ireland for days. The Tuatha had found two peoples inhabiting the island. By a series of battles and treaties too complicated to describe, they had come to share the land with them in an uneasy peace. One group, a tribe said to have descended from fugitive Greek slaves, was unable to withstand the others. They were sent to occupy a patch of ground in the west of the country. The other group though was powerful and to these beings, the Tawatha actually paid tribute. It is said in Irish legend that the Tawatha lords even intermarried with them and became a curious race indeed. They were called the Fomorians and it was thought that they once had been sea rovers in the oceans of Africa. Whatever their origins, they're a a taterdemalian remnant of the chaotic powers of creation. Now, I'm going to hop out real quick. Doesn't this start to remind you of the stuff we talked about when we talked about the Kandahar giant and and the Nephilim? That's exactly what I thought of. Right? So we've talked about the Nephilim. We talked about all these other things. What's interesting immediately to me is this idea of other races that are also powerful you know what i mean like it, it's it's one of those things where you know you look at humanity and we all have different characteristics depending on where you know what part of the world we're from and everything and it's just mm-hmm. like really really neat thing you look at you know any creature in biology and there's that diversity that exists right mm-hmm. well even within this you've got the neph- <sighs> Damn, <I> almost <laughs> yeah. said it. you've got the nephilim you've got the uh femorians mm-hmm. And they all have all all these different characteristics, you know, kind of getting their power from potentially different sources, but maybe like all centered around the same central origin, which is just
0: absolutely fascinating to me. Well, especially like the, uh, I mean, I can't really speak for the, like the dog faced people or the Mm -hmm. fishmen, but definitely like the giants sort of jumps out as like, oh man, that kind of, that kind of makes sense as far as like, you know, if you're tying in like the descendants of like you know the the original Watchers, yeah, in those mm-hmm. early stories, and then they came down and you know mated with fish, you know, the women of men, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe fish. Maybe that's yeah, like I mean, part. you know, this. Uh, I mean, this salmon looks kind of lonely. You never know. I mean, I do like the idea. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy, but just like the mental picture of you talking about Whoa. these Fomorians coming on the ship to the shores mm-hmm. of, of Ireland. Like, I like the idea, and I mean, it's it would make for a pretty cool, like, story if all these random, obscure, weird creatures from, like, the, you know, quote-unquote, the old world, I like the idea that, like, those are all the cryptids that we know of now. And they yeah. just sort of sailed around and been mm-hmm. dropped off, at you know, on different yeah, continents. in different places. Yeah. And, the, you know, this, this naval,
1: <laughs> this navy of cryptid creatures yeah. they're like I mean this kind of looks cool let's hop in here you <laughs> yeah. know yeah. and if you've ever visited Ireland you know exactly I would I would stop there if I was floating by
0: oh just yeah just such a
1: beautiful place
0: I want to go and also
1: that. those of you that are familiar with the manga One Piece this kind of starts it. to sort of sound familiar there too I mean there's all these strange creatures there's actually like a place called Fishman Island where they're you know basically fishmen that, that mm. fight and all these weird creatures. So so it's like all these things are starting to come together.
0: Well, two things that it kind of sparked too is, you know, one of the things in, and I'm not sure if it's like in like Jubilees or the Book of Enoch, they all kind of get sort of mixed around in my mind. So I'm always pulling like from the wrong one. But, you know, there is like passage in, in those early scriptures that it talk about, you know, the, you know, as far as we know, like, these angels came down and they mated with the daughters of men. But it also talks about they were also sort of like, you know, basically doing experiments and creating these like chimera of like this animal with this animal. Because, you know, they they taught us like witchcraft and they taught like man, like what's called like the seven sacred sciences and like all this. They, They taught us all this like bad stuff that I guess technically like, we weren't supposed to know about. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, but one of those things is like, they were messing with like, creating these sort of hybrid things with like mixing like this animal with this animal. And so like, you know, if if we're looking at that as like completely true and completely literal, just the idea that, that these could be some of the offspring from that, uh, I, I think that's really interesting. Also, another thing that's cool is like, this also reminds me of, and I think I think I brought it up in that episode, of how a lot of people believe that these sort of descendants of the Nephilim, or, you know, I guess the Nephilim, the descendants of these Watchers, were sort of propping themselves up and ruling over these different lands as, like, little g-gods and, like, deities. So mm-hmm. some people actually believe that, like, you know, The worship of like Zeus and like the Greek pantheon and like, you know, Roman mythology. And like they believe that like some of these like deities that that a lot of these people were actually worshiping were actually just basically giants and descendants of the Watchers, which is pretty interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's very interesting. So I, I just I like I like looking through that lens at the stuff that you're talking about now. I think it's yeah, it's really interesting well and like you said
1: okay so some had they say that some had men's bodies in the sleek heads of horses Mm. some looked like fish Mm -hmm. scaled and oblong but walked upright on flipper-like feet uh their doleful human faces peering from bullet-shaped heads don't know what that means it sounds racist a very few it says were beautifully human at least in form Mm. now here's something else that's really interesting the warlike fomorians dominated ireland living by taxes imposed on the bounty of the country's fields and pastures. So basically, these folks, just like we talked about, the uh, I swear, didn't we talk about the Nephilim? Yep, like, they did the same yeah, thing. Yeah, right? Like, they're
0: more powerful, so they're making the weaker yeah. uh, humans sort of pay tribute to them, and yeah. that's what was going on here. Well, and that, that's what I was talking about with, like, the Greek pantheon. They were, they were sort of propping themselves up as, like, oh, we're gods. Like, you know, you're five foot tall, and I'm 11 foot tall, so... You know, you have to worship me and, and pay taxes. Right. So it sounds a, um, very close. It says that they
1: preferred to remain secluded in their stronghold, an island off the northwest coast of Ireland. The place was an awesome sight from the sea. At its center rose a tower as translucent as glass. And within this tower, according to the chroniclers, could be seen something that had the appearance of men. Mm. Those who ventured too near the island fortress might find their ships swamped by spell-scent waves. Now, wow! the chief of the Fomorian tribe was called Baylor of the Strong Blows. Now, by the way, folks, if you're currently playing a D&D campaign or you're about to start one, boy, are we going to give you some gold here with ideas. <laughs> All right, Baylor of the Strong Blows sounds yeah, pretty awesome. That's awesome. He was a cyclops. And the single eye he had was actually
0: kept shut. Its very glance would kill you. But dude, even that! Like, the, the fact that, I mean, synchronicity abounds, as always with us. But like, the fact that we're talking about like, Greek mythology and these these Nephilim, be, you know, basically being these deities. And then within that same myth- mythology, we have, uh you know, the Cyclops. So... Is there just this massive overlap, and this is all just the, the same cast of characters? Maybe we'll find out when we get back from this break.:
1: We'll return after these messages. It's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian or a vampire or a vampire. I think
0: you really know what's happening. Don't. You, don't. You? If anyone out there We're fighters for truth, justice, and the American way. Hey, this is Woody and this is Tyler and you're listening to That would be rad. And now back to our show. I think this is killer. I I've, I've never heard of any of this.
1: Yeah, no, man. Like and this is what I'm talking about, man. This is why like selfishly this is honestly one of my favorite things about having this show, dude. I, lo- I learn mm-hmm. so much about stuff, or I'm reminded of things that I may have kind of heard of, but this was, I mean, I'm coming in fresh with this. I had never heard of this stuff. Yeah, me neither at all. And it's so interesting because it's,
0: it, it, it outages
1: any of the stuff mm-hmm. in our very own folklore.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Although, you know, the one thing that, that uh, and I mean, I keep pushing it off because it's such an elaborate topic but like the tartaria stuff and you know I just I don't feel like I could do it justice but it's (laughs) like one of the most fascinating things for me and like honestly it it kind of like I don't know hearing things like you know they knew about the old world and like stuff Mm. like that it's like Re- I'm just gonna read that sentence again, dude. Just listen yeah, to this for a yeah. second.
1: Like that's how like, I underlined it. I haven't marked in this book, but I underlined that sentence because it just—it was to me—stood out. Mm-hmm. It says, "On wilder shores, however, these creatures long maintained the memory of the old world." Yeah, that's cool, man. All right, so we're talking about this Cyclops, uh, Baylor of the strong blows. Mm-hmm. I mean, awesome. Just D and D gold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in time of ultimate need during a battle for instance his guides would lift his eyelid with an ivory ring and all who met that gaze died where they stood inwardly seared by some nameless power from the dawn of creation Jeez, I mean this dude. this character dude and I I mean it's a, it's incredible so Baylor had a grandson who was to prove his bane, apparently. And this boy was the child of a secret union between Baylor's daughter, who possessed the human beauty seen in some of the Fomorians, and a warrior of the Tuatha. Hmm. So it's your kind of classic, Romeo and Juliet tell here, you yeah. know, hey, this human guy sort of fell in love with the, you know, sheep woman. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey man, whatever. When Baylor discovered the child, he had him cast into the sea in his swollen clothes for it was prophesied that baylor would meet his end at the hands of his own grandson hmm. what is this star wars yeah but the child was rescued by chiefs of the tuatha his kin and reared in secret for fear of femorian wrath because they think okay if he knows that we're harboring this kid he's going to come in here and he's going to zap us with his eye beam or whatever yeah. yeah you know well when the child grew up to be a man He presented himself to the Tuatha King in Ireland. In the the young man, the powers of what they called, quote, the older races, evidently had been channeled into human skills. And these skills were very powerful. He was a warrior, a poet, a harper, a sorcerer,
0: a physician, a brass worker, and a smith. So... That's really interesting. Read that again about him, like, learning of, like, the old races or whatever.
1: Yeah, so it says that in the young man, the powers of the older races evidently had become channeled into human skills. These skills were, he was a warrior, a poet, harbor. It then says there was, in fact, no creative skill known then that he
0: did not possess. So what's interesting about that is, you know, how before when I said that, like, sort of the lore goes with, when these sort of fallen angels came down and they taught mm. us, you know, what are sometimes described as, like, the seven sacred sciences. Um, you know, it seems kind of, like, silly because, like, in that is, like, geometry and, like, mathematics. But then there's also... Hey, hey, hey dude. Hey. Huh? For anybody listening, he didn't mean that as a slight. That doesn't sound silly.
1: Geometry is amazing.
0: No, 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 no. I'm saying, like, for, for people to view it as, like, wait, why is that? That's not bad. Like... Yeah, you know yeah. that's, but it's it's these like things i guess that i don't know we're taught by but but one of them was they were taught how to make weapons and you know like iron weapons and like blacksmithing mm. and and that kind of stuff too so it's interesting that you're saying all this stuff about this guy because
1: yeah you know, that kind I mean, of
0: falls right in line yeah, with that yeah
1: check this out it's interesting that you said that about the fact that it was fallen angels and there being some sort of angelic origin to this knowledge because it says that it was said that his face was like a god's Mm. so wise and shining that as with his grandfather's evil eye no mortal could bear to look upon it dude which again goes back to the the things that you read about in the bible when an angel appears and you know
0: you can't gaze upon it it says it 365 times in the bible be not afraid but i'm not even talking about that the Watchers and the, and I think the Nephilim too were also called I don't know the the actual it's either Hebrew or like Aramaic I'm I'm out of my depth here but mm-hmm. uh, I know for a fact that they were referred to as the shining ones and a lot of times yeah. like their eyes glue, like would glow very brightly so this is this is like direct so fast. it's so fascinating lineage dude. and dude. like
1: all these connections man.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's why whenever
1: I see what I mean, I told you I'd glue it together. Yeah, dude, that's amazing. This that's young cool. man was called Lu or Lur. I don't know how to, you know, yeah. I'm not Irish. And boy, of the uh, Lur of the long hand because of his strength, and he was made the champion of Tuatha that he might free them from the Fomorian rule. Hmm. His first action in the pursuit of freedom was murder. Wow the day came when the tribute gatherers of the fomorians approached the tuatha king's fortress to demand their due they were a frightening lot of creatures some hairless and simian some goatish some round and red as if the clay itself they were made of was not fully dried one its visage colored by a cloth of white and its body by long draperies sat astride a horse but its feet dangled below the animal's belly and those feet were clawed and there in the courtyard of the fortress a Luch of the longhand hacked them all to death except for nine those nine he sent back to baylor to tell what had happened and who had done the deed then he began the work of mustering the armies of the tuatha for the battle that must come i mean dude so freaking cool. I mean this is literally reading like <laughs> one of the, I mean it's it's a what is what a cool story, man. Yeah. You know what a movie, what a comic. Yeah, exactly. This. Yeah. And the battle, it says came soon enough. When Baylor heard the tale of the tribute gatherers, he called together his sea rovers and his warriors. In ships with painted sails, the company descended on Ireland and tore across the country killing as they went. They met the host of the Tuatha on the plane at Mag Turid in the Connacht region of Ireland. The fighting continued for days, but Lou of the Longhand was not in it at first. The Tuatha king, fearing for the champion's life, actually sequestered him under guard. Again, dude, jeez, I swear. Well, anyways, this is one piece of... <laughs> it really is, man. I, you know, you do find out in some of the question corners that Uh, Ichiro Oda, he studies global folklore because he's just, just like us, is obsessed with all these stories that exist that he can, like, be inspired by. And so this is just so reminiscent of that, man. It's so cool. Man. All right, so like any champion would do, he's not going to stay behind some bars. So, initially, because he was under guard, the battle went pretty dang bad for the Tuatha. Finally, though, the champion broke away from the men around him, and rallied the field. It says that then the slaughter was terrible. Many comely men fell there in the stall of death, wrote the chronicler. Pride and shame were there side by side and hardness and red anger. And there was red blood on the white skin of young fighting men. And the dashing of spear against shield and sword against sword and the shouting of the fighters and the whistles of spears and the rattling of scabbards was like thunder through the battle. And many slipped in the blood that was under their feet, and they fell, striking their heads against one another, and the river carried away bodies of friends and enemies together. Synchronicity, friends and enemies. The modern society's first self-produced record. Then Lou of the Longhand found his grandfather, Baylor. The Fomorian chief stood in a battle chariot, surrounded by gibbering, squealing, howling warriors of his army. His enormous eye was still closed. Until now, the Fomorians had not thought they would need this greatest of their weapons. The young man shouted a challenge, and Baylor leapt to the ground. The warriors
0: around the pair backed away. Dude, this is so freaking badass. Man, I just I can't help but <laughs> <laughs> it's it's no no no. Long. I'm viewing this character the the uh, what is it of the strong blows, Baylor. Baylor. I, I just picture him as the, the Cyclops guy in Kroll. Oh, God.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh? <laughs> like, He's got the like, like Prince Albert hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, man, this guy is intense, okay? Baylor, so after, you know, these warriors are kind of like backing away from the action here, like, oh, boy, this is about to get serious. Mm-hmm. Baylor says, Lift my eyelid that I may see the chatter. I mean, think about that, dude. What a burn! Okay, this is an ancient burn. Yeah. But he's basically just saying, like, who's this? Who's this person? Like, talking. Who's this weakling that's talking to me? Yeah. Let me let me see them lift my eyelid, which he knows that would just obliterate him. Yeah. So, his guides advanced and extended the ivory ring that they used to do this. At that instant, Lugh. I, don't, I still don't know if I'm saying it right. How's Lugh, it spelled? L U G H. Yeah. Lugh. I don't know. Lou, I'm just going to call him Lou. Okay, yeah, Lou it is. Like Lou Diamond Phillips. There it is. (laughs) Or Lou Uh, Gossett Jr. Okay. At that instant, Lou cast his spear. It flew straight to the mark with such force that it skimmed through Baylor's skull and into the Fomorians behind them, carrying with it fragments of the deadly eye and an arching spout of blood. And every creature that the exploding eye touched or that the blood spattered on died screaming. Mm. Then the route began. Leaderless, the Fomorians fled, and the men of Tuatha followed. In the end, only four members of that great army survived. It was said that these four were at last driven from Ireland by a prince of the Tuatha and disappeared to islands in the North Sea. The Fomorians, perhaps the last of the powerful old order to be vanquished by the new, seemed to have been destined for death in any case. They were a weakened race, their people a haphazard collection of beast parts randomly and hideously united. Their powers diminished and their dominance maintained not by magic in the main, but by a simple force of arms. The four surviving Fomorians hidden away on their cold islands were never seen again. Had any humans come across them, the hapless creatures would doubtless have been regarded as nothing more than loathsome curiosities. That was the invariable fate of the god-beasts who roamed the earth when it was young. They disappeared. Not in glory, not in some divine display of valor or unconquerable greatness. They retreated from human view, or were sent into exile, or were killed, or simply died. Humankind was heir to the future. And what was left? Nothing more, it seemed, than a collection of rumors and travelers' tales of far-off lands, garbled visions of Piedis creatures that probably existed only in the imaginations of the writers. For the travelers and writers, Greeks such as Herodotus and Tessius of Sinaitis and their later imitators did not see the grandeur that still existed in the hidden corners of the world. They related incredible descriptions of grotesque abominations in almost human form. Instead of the grace and the power of the centaurs or the might of the stag god, Serenus, they reported on the basis of the most suspect evidence savage tribes of dog-headed men, ugly and inarticulate, who barked rather than talking. Instead of the wild, gaiety of capering pan, they offered tales of dull monsters, people whose ears grew to the ground and could be used as blankets, men whose faces grew upon their chests, and people who appeared normal except that they had long tails so that beasts could have godlike potency was an unwelcome thought they did not know that wonders were still present that in India and China animals still held sway over men and that in the wild reaches of Russia flew birds with more than avian or human power and while they heard and wrote of the unicorn which still shyly lurked in their own dense forests not one man in a million had seen it or knew its true
0: power and beauty Mm. Interesting. Dude, that's fascinating, man. Yeah. I mean, I wonder too if like if I mean if that's where the fae came from. You know, were they mm-hmm. remnants and because they were able to like hide and you know. Well, dude, it's so funny uh that you say that
1: because here's another thing that that didn't talk about. And that is that they were also kind of known to be potential masters of the elements. Possessing the ability to control destructive, the destructive forces of nature, mm. you know, like the harsh grip of winter or devastating crop blight and even the
0: deadly plague. Wow. I mean, yeah. the, the funny thing is, is like, even though it was sort of a joke uh, at like the top of the show talking about this, where like, oh, this weird, you know, ship full of like mutants, you know, mm-hmm. became our like, all of our cryptids in all of our different lands. I mean it kind of sounds like that's what it's sort of pointing to Mm -hmm. in a weird way you know and so maybe these cryptids we're seeing you know maybe you know i'm looking at you like mothman and you know the black bird of chernobyl and like stuff Mm -hmm. like that like are these just these like you know almost extinct like remnants of of these weird lineages i don't know i mean that's that's what i'm saying
1: i mean it's very uh it's very interesting it's very strange it's something that i had never heard of and you know i i don't discount the fact that our listeners are in a lot of ways sometimes much more versed in this type of thing they're going to have a lot more mm-hmm. i'm sure clay i'm sure you're listening you're like oh yeah you know i've uh, i wrote a paper about these guys
0: <laughs> <laughs> in in 8th grade yeah i have a book out yeah so like i tied the nephilim with the these you know characters you know 25 years ago yeah so this other thing that i found basically said that after their defeat the
1: fomorians retreated to the shadows and the darkness of the ocean in the coast and deep places caves and that kind of thing it says although they do show up from time to time in more recent myths and legends such as the this thing called the training of ku kulein Cú kukulein i don't know what is that. Is that in, like that in ireland how the heck have we never heard of no this? kidding So, yeah, this is another Irish myth about a. um, uh, Let's see how to pronounce it. Well, this is one of those situations where they kind of, uh, boy, they they mix sounds and vowels and stuff. Cuchulin, I think, is what it's called. It's a warrior, hero, and demigod in uh, Irish mythology, Mm -hmm. as well as Scottish folklore as well. And so, and they say it's funny because they say, oh, that's a more modern appearance. And, you know, I don't think that story... I mean, are
0: we talking like Gaelic? I mean, this
1: guy, like, yeah, man. And he was also, came from a miraculous birth. His mother, there's like a flock of magical birds. I mean, it, again, it it kind of gets a little... Um, sort of folklore glory. Yeah, and it gets kind of deep here. But this Kukulan character, when he was training, I guess, he, it says... This is a passage from it says then they parted for uh, from each other and Cucolon went and looked forth on the great sea as he was there he beheld a great assembly on the strand nearest to him a hundred men and a hundred women seated in the bosom of the haven and the shore and among them a maiden shapely dear and beautiful the most distinguished damsel of the world's women women and she was weeping cucolon came to the place saluted them and says what what is this sorrow or the misery upon you the damsel answered and she said a royal tribute which the tribe of fomorians carry out of this country every seventh year namely the firstborn of the king's children and at this time it has come to me to go as that tribute for the king i am the dearest of his children and he says what number comes to lift that tribute and she said three sons of the Altrim of the fomorians and their names were dub mel and dubros not long go ahead Wait a minute, so you're saying like... So I'm, I'm saying that <clears throat> this appearance of the Fomorians in folklore again, maybe they were one of the, maybe those, you know, there was only like four that were still alive. Maybe they went off in different, they split off, they went somewhere else, right? Mm-hmm. And they started having kids. And potentially maybe they kind of still call upon some of these lesser tribes of Ireland to continue to pay tribute. And one of those, and the way that they do that is they give away the you know firstborn or the most dear of the children right i volunteer as tribute and i think maybe that helps them continue their lineage by kind of like getting that child raising it up and then mating it with another femorian wow and so basically i think what in this legend this guy kind of comes to because he's like sort of just taken by her beauty he comes and saves her from having to do that and i guess maybe he goes and
0: and uh you know fights these guys And so you're saying he was like the, he would have been like the, you know, the like son of a seventh son type character. Kind of thing, yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hmm.
0: So pretty cool, man. That's really cool. That's really fascinating. I mean, I do like, something about it also kind of gives me the, uh, like the visual of like, like Nightbreed or something where. Yeah, yeah. You know, they were, they would hide um, in like Midian, you know, underground, kind of like the Morlocks you know, talk, some of them were, you know, had powers and stuff, but then others just looked weird. You know, there's like the dog faced kid and like Mm -hmm. the, you know, like you said, the, some just had ears that would touch the ground and like, you know, weird kind of like just characters. I don't know, man. It's interesting. I mean, it's, it's one of those things too, where like, you know, clearly this is so, uh, this is such an ancient, sort of thing that it how much of the stuff that we're talking about has been sort of inspired by that like mm. like Clive Barker and Night, Nightbreed or I mean because Midian is actually a place in the Bible mm. uh, which is interesting but yeah dude that's that's pretty fascinating well and to kind of just give it a little final piece of,
1: of tape to wrap it up here we will return after these messages
0: and this is tyler and you're listening to that would be rad and now back to our show
1: i did find this that says some believed that they had the head of goats although it may be more likely that they were sailors and large people that wore goat masks and that kind of thing but others related them to the drowned titans of enoch there you go nephilim yep so there you go man that connection wow with what we had talked about in those uh, in that other episode with the um the giant of Kanahar, it all kind of comes back to these this uh, does. old magic yeah old world and you know we do have to do the tartaria stuff and man. I, I you know i think you kind of gave a brief synopsis of that but just in case it's you know, is the first time someone's listening to our show, or perhaps that someone may have uh, missed that. Mm -hmm. Can you just give us a small, just, you know, paragraph synopsis of what that theory is?
0: Well, I am horrible at uh, giving brief uh, sort of explanations on anything, but I'll do my best. Basically, it's this sort of idea that, and I'm saying all this, I don't, completely know if I believe that, like, oh, it's definitely this, it's definitely these these Tartarian people, these, you know, and it's different from, like, uh, like the Tartars and, like, the Tartar, Tartaran, Empire. like, Tartar sauce. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, like, where Tartar sauce, I guess, comes from, but it's different from that. It's, like, apparently this idea that there was, like, this sort of kingdom or nationality, basically, of these people who had you know, heavily advanced empires that sort of stretched all around the globe. So it is interesting because you look and like, you know, we consider it now like quote unquote as like what we would consider like Roman architecture, but you'll Mm -hmm. find it smack dab in the middle of Asia. You'll find it all across the globe and it doesn't really, usually it sort of stands apart from whatever other architecture is around it. You know what I'm saying? So- Whatever happened, uh, a lot of times you'll hear the term, like, mud flood. Like, I don't know how much of that, I believe, necessarily ties in. I do think there was some sort of giant, sort of catastrophic event. And then it sort of covered up this other previous empire. And, you know, kind of like the Mayans and, like, the Inca and the Aztec. Or even, Mm -hmm. like, the Egyptians. You know, you had this, like, first era, like, Egyptian pyramids. Where it's the most like precise, almost humanly impossible like techniques of like building and like what look like, you know, laser precision on some stuff. And then you had this sort of second era of pharaohs where you can kind of tell that they were just sort of like, it's almost like somebody spraying graffiti on like a famous artifact. It's like they Mm. were leaving, you know, their mark, quote unquote. But it was like you know, far, far, far below, like, the craftsmanship or the ability of, like, the previous empire. It's like whatever technology that was or whatever workmanship or technique or, or whatever, that it was, like, lost, you know? And you see that a mm. lot in, like, the like South American temples and, like, you know, Machu Picchu and those kind of areas. You always see this, like, previous, like, empire either buried and then built upon. Like, they just built a temple on top of the ruins of this previous temple that was, like, far more advanced technologically. Uh, And so, that's the idea. that It's this sort of Tartarian Empire. It even appears in, like, a CIA document where they're talking about Tartaria and how something to do with, like, the Russian Empire and how we have to bury that information. No pun intended. Um, (laughs) But... It's really bizarre because like there's all these maps, like these old ancient maps that show this place called Tartaria, but then anywhere you look in, in anything new, it's all missing. And so, you know, it gets into like, you know, this sort of Rothschild or like the Rockefeller initiative, which sort of took over the education system in like the, you know, the early 1800s here in America and throughout the world. And so it was like, everything was just sort of buried or sort of taken credit as like, oh, we built all this. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, we're just going to create like a worldwide education system from this elite family, you know, the Rockefellers. And Mm. we're not going to say a single thing about any of this stuff. And it ties into like the world's fairs. It's really, really fascinating stuff. Well, What what also is fascinating about it
1: to me too, if you take the... um Like the conspiracy element out of it, Mm -hmm. and just think about what we talked about again, going back to that dead gum. Who knew that we were going to just get so deep into a bunch of different stuff? When we talked about the the giant of Kandahar, yeah, we talked a lot about the fact that like throughout human history, in different cultures, but including the 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 Christian, uh, well, Judeo Christian belief system, Mm -hmm. that the use of floods to quote unquote cleanse the earth, so to speak have occurred in multiple cultures throughout time. So in other words, it wouldn't be a situation where I think maybe potentially there could be some sort of historical, like the timetable would match up with, oh, well, these folks were also talking about the the Noah flood because it happened around the same time. But we're also talking about ancient civilizations way before... I don't know. Way before the Bible was written, right, right, yeah. And uh, like you're talking about like Mesopotamia, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, like, the potential of some of these, like, the Earth being much older than we kind of think, and the fact, and the, the idea of there being sort of civilizations that existed long before mm-hmm. what we now know of as as humanity existing. And then it sort of like getting to a certain point, and then kind of getting covered up. And by cover up, I don't mean again the dead gum Rockefellers. I'm talking about like covered up and starting over. That reset. There's a lot yeah. of movies and pop
0: culture and stuff that kind of touch on this sometimes. Well, not only that, but that that is part of the Tartaria thing. Is like there's there's a belief system, and you know, a lot of people point to like like Indian sort of cultures. They believe in like the uh, I believe it's called like the Kali Yuga where it's like these, like, eras. And so, mm. with every era, there has to be, like, a reset to begin, mm-hmm. like, the new era.
1: Oh, yeah, like the Mayans. Ka- yeah, that, kind that, of the same big thing. big sort yeah. of scare with the Mayan calendar mm-hmm. and stuff.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's it's pretty fascinating. I think there's definitely something to it. I mean, it, it gets into... I don't know, it, it really kind of... It, it's kind of a scary thing to delve into because you start to realize, like, man, what if like, what if everything that I've been taught is just a complete lie? Like, what if, what if, you know, we're supposed to believe because, and once you start like looking back and like digging into it. So one of the interesting things about it and this, I'm not going to get into the world's fair part because to me, that's the most fascinating. And I know that I won't do it justice, but one of the most fascinating parts is, you know, you look at like these early buildings in, um, you know, the state capitol building in like Minnesota or like these random kind of places, the world's fair in Chicago. Like you see these like epic, epic buildings that would rival any of the buildings in France, you know, that you specifically, Hey, I'm going to go to Paris. and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, you know, the, I'm going to go to Versailles and see this. Mm -hmm. Well, these places over here would rival any of those places, but it's Mm -hmm. weird because then you look at like, Okay, well, let's look into the records, like, who built this place? And it'll be, like, one guy's name that built, you know, they, they never thought that we would have an internet. They never thought right, that right. we would have that connectivity. So it's like, oh, that's weird. The same guy built this place who also built this place, this place, this place, all across, like, all the way to San Francisco. And, oh, wait, we're finding out that, like, he started this architecture business, supposedly what we're told and within two years, he had built something like 28, like, capital bu- buildings with, like, the most pristine, like, Washington, D.C., like, filigree, Art Nouveau, like, beautiful, like, a- and he supposedly did all this in the 1800s, like, w- what we're supposed to believe is, like, horse and carriage, like, cowboy days. Mm. Yeah, it's weird. Like, there's a lot of stuff that just does not line up. And, and I don't know if you've seen that thing. There's this thing on, um,
1: I think it may have been Instagram, where it shows a picture of Michelangelo's uh, Pietà. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're unfamiliar with it, it is the carving of Mary holding Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, basically after he has his, his mortal body, basically after being up on the cross. Mm-hmm. If you ever get a chance to see it in real life, it's it's an absolute emotional experience, even if you're not Christian, even if you're not Catholic, Mm -hmm. if you're a parent especially, that emotion is conveyed inside of this marble. And anyways, it's this picture of that, and it says, like, a 17-year-old did this. Yeah. You know? So Mm -hmm. it's one of those things, it's like, what can you do? What is, you know, your impact on the earth going to be? And if a 17-year-old can do this, then just think about, the way I see it is, like, just think
0: about the... Uh, potential that lives inside of all of us. So anyway, mm-hmm.
1: why did I talk about that?
0: I don't know. It sounds like you were trying to debunk my Tartaria story. No, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. The uh, It wasn't a debunking of, of Tartaria.
1: What it is to me, in fact, again, is almost like in support of the fact that potentially there were these ancient civilizations. I mean, I think sometimes there's some things that can be attributed to I think there's in a lot of ways let me just kind of focus my my statement here in a lot of ways i think the naval capability Mm -hmm. that existed in ancient worlds or ancient worlds ancient history was a lot better better than than i think sometimes people give it credit for Mm -hmm. and so sometimes i think some of that can be shared but i do think it's so interesting to me the idea that we've talked about here which is you know and i think people are they had to have heard of this before, where the, the theory of the rise and fall of a humanity that
0: came before us.
1: And we're just kind of like yeah. building on top of it.
0: You oh, yeah. Mean?
1: Like yeah. a layer on top. Yeah, for sure.
0: I mean, it, it's interesting because... And because it's a simulation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, I, I do think it's interesting because I need to send you this. I ran across this, like, this photo that was taken in like the 40s or whatever well they they dated this this mine that's like I don't know something like two hundred feet down in like this mine I could be way off it it could just be like you know a hundred feet or something, but super far down this mine from like back in the forties and you see where it's like the uh like the stone you know they they mined down into it. And like on the roof of where they were mining is is like the sort of indentation of like a wagon wheel. So it's like, how do we have a wagon wheel that was mm. buried under 200 feet or however much it was? And also what's weird is like when it was like dated, it goes back like a million years or something. So it's like it's basically like a like an impossibility that it could have happened mm. i don't know i think there's a lot of those things and uh they're all equally fascinating but yeah we're definitely this season we're definitely going to have somebody come on to kind of get into tartaria because i feel like it's a topic like i know you know i mean i won the history award at my school but i know you oh, also like history and uh <laughs> i do now i did and you know
1: it's funny man i didn't I, I did in some ways whenever I was younger, but my interest
0: wasn't as uh, enthusiastic as it is now. Well, dude, once once we open this box of Tartaria, it it's just it's so fascinating. But it's again, it's like very. Have you ever, have you heard of the term like you know like red pilled? Um, yeah. Uh, well, there's another... You're asking, Trump, if, you're asking me if I've seen The Matrix? Well, yeah, but it, I mean, ties into, like, sort of Who culture. Who is this guy? Where, hey where guys, you start to listening. realize... Hey, that, listeners. No, this, just, yeah, just listen. But, like, when it's tied into, like, oh, when you finally, you're red-pilled, you know, your friend, you know, sends you down a rabbit trail, and you find out, like, oh, wait a minute, the government's been lying to us forever. You know, you find out about Project Mockingbird and MKUltra and all this stuff that's, like, widely documented that, like, they're not mm. even trying to hide... It, but there's also this other phrase called black-pilled where you you kind of like give up because you're like, I don't even know, like all the sort of the foundations that made up what I believed about, you know, this sort of made up my worldview, they're, they're all a complete lie that's just been like perfectly crafted by like whatever. And so there is a little bit of that. And so it is kind of scary. But... I would love to get into because I think yeah. that it it I think all this kind of stuff can all tie in together with it, and it's fascinating, yeah, man. I mean it's really, really cool, right, dude, I think it's awesome, hold on, man, I may have found wait
1: a second, dude, hmm, listen to this clip about about tartaria one one second here
0: It's usually the part that you remember anyways
1: Jeez. okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay that was absolutely fascinating i'm so glad you know i i got to stop thinking about it in terms of i'm so glad i accidentally found that yeah no you know guys nothing if you've been me. listening to this show for a while now you know that sometimes we have something in mind and something call it the universe mm-hmm. call it intuition mm-hmm. call it karma um Whatever it is steered me in this direction. And I just thought the second that I read that, man, I just feel like that was a great way to kind of just put it into the to the uh, camp red strangeness mm-hmm. and just kind of reemphasize the fact that there exists these ancient stories from all around the world yeah. that can really help us kind of learn and figure out what does it all mean, Basil? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Before we go, though, dude, I have to say, you know, earlier, I think last week, I posted that, you know, I thought, and hey, this is it, I finally found the movie. I think. Oh, was based it based on the description? Based on like what I, you know, thought of the of this movie that I've been trying to find since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you the the. Well, I'll just tell you whether or not it was. It was not Mm. the movie. It was close. There were so many moments where I was like, oh, this is it. It's about to happen. Nope. Okay. So the name of the movie is called The Resurrected. Okay. And it came out in 1991. And we'll talk about it in greater depth later. But before we go, I wanted to kind of just do my typical thing, which is re-explain the scenes that I remember... From this movie, just in case someone out there, uh, speaking of angels, someone can point me in the right direction. Because see, what I think is happening here is I feel like I had had a recurring nightmare Mm. throughout childhood, and then that's what I'm remembering. Or potentially, maybe it's a past life thing. And if so, that's even more terrifying.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay.
1: So here are the scenes that I remember. And, And just in general before that, I feel like I remember being around... Ten. okay so certainly age inappropriate to see a movie like this in my memory I feel like my mom and I were staying up late and we were watching TV now an important detail here is my parents didn't pay for cable around this age so I'm not sure maybe I watched it at a friend's house I don't know what's going on Okay, but here are the scenes one of them is sort of like this man who I I always describe him as skinless but maybe he's just like bloodied he is trying to communicate with who i think in my memory is his wife okay there is some sort of like almost like a not body snatch sort of element but there is some sort of like something is sinister going on where someone is sort of either taking people and recreating them or using them and creating doppelgangers and i think in the like is this guy sort of like in mid morph i'm not sure Okay, but the important detail here is he's basically like skinless, all right? And before you think, no, it's not Hellraiser. Yeah, exactly. But also, again, relatively close, sort of, to that. Sort of skinless man, Mm -hmm. bloody thing. And he's sort of like trying to communicate with the wife. He's kind of like, "Uh," but she, of course, rightly so, is absolutely terrified, doesn't recognize her husband because you guessed it, he doesn't have any skin on his body and he's not able to talk. He's trying to say, Hey, it's me. Hey, it's me. And she's just like, ah, and runs out. This is happening sort of again in my memory and sort of like a laboratory or hospital setting. And she kind of runs off. I feel like. There's, okay, and then there's another scene toward the end of the movie that I remember where either his teenager son has come in now and is rescuing the mom or I've got it wrong and it's the teenager and his girlfriend. I'm not sure, okay? But anyway, a young kid and and a girl are in a car and they're escaping this place. Mm -hmm. They finally made it. And then like almost like a jump scare this bloodied body, a bloodied body, lands on the hood of the car, and they're like, ah, and they just they finally escape, and that's all I got. Hmm. So please, if that rings a bell to you, if you have any ideas, besides Hellraiser, because that's the one that typically gets sent, or like Rawhead Ra- 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 Rex, I think was one. Yeah. Uh, I just the movie that I just Bloody watched bones. was called The, the Resurrected. Um, I also tried. Um, I think it's called Dead Friend. It's actually got what's her name from um, Buffy the Vampire Vampire Slayer. Um, Vampire Slayer, Slayer. The movie. Mm, I don't know. I don't know her name. Anyway, I did love no that lot. movie though. Yeah. So anyway, I've I've searched and searched and searched. I asked my mom one time. She said, "Oh wait, I, I, yeah, I kind of remember that." And then I asked her like a week later. She's like, "Doesn't have a clue what
0: I'm talking about." So I can't see. I wonder rely if, on her. if that aspect of her saying that. I'm not saying that you didn't see that, but I'm just I'm just curious if like her sort of like saying, "Oh, I kind of remember that." If that's like sort of solidifying in your mind, like, "Oh, well, it definitely was a movie and not like a yeah, like a you know dream or something." Yeah, like I don't
1: know. I, I just it just it just seems like it's not a dream. Here's another thing that happened relatively recently. I wandered down this Reddit rabbit trail, and someone said, hey, does anybody know where this movie, there is a person, I think at the end, there's like a bloody body that like lands on the hood of a car. They called it a bonnet though, because they were from like England or something. Mm -hmm. That landed on the bonnet and then they still escape. And then nobody had an answer. I reached out to that person. They never answered me back. Mm. I mean, I thought that was it too. I thought this is it. I'm finally gonna think. So that kind of lends me to believe that I didn't
0: just dream it. Anyway. Uh, the good news is I did discover the movie I've been looking for. and I th- What movie have you been trying to find? Uh, you remember the movie I was telling you about that it was like a school and there was like a teacher and like her students and they were like... Yeah, I feel like you told me that you found it though. Yeah, like kidnapped or whatever. I don't know that we talked about it on the show though. Oh, wait, what, is it? what was it called? It was a movie and it was indeed, it did take place in the Australian Outback. Huh. Uh, so I'm really disappointed in you, Matt. Man, for uh, <laughs> not knowing every Australian movie ever. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it was called The Fortress, and hmm. it just involved this movie with these these like weird dudes that like show up, and they have like one has like a Donald Duck mask, and like Oof. they have all these weird masks. But they like they sort of kidnap this this woman, this teacher, and her class. And so they have to like escape and get away. And then like, there's the, the scene that I feel like anybody that's seen this movie would probably remember is like, it, it involves the teacher like having to like swim like under the water, you know, to get oh, wow. uh, under this rock to like, you know, be able to get away or whatever. Anyway, yeah, it's called The Fortress. And I think when I found it, I think they were saying that like the the main actress, so like the teacher was like a pretty big Australian actress. Mm. I didn't recognize the name, but, you know, I guess back in the 80s or whatever. Um, But yeah, happily, I found mine. Her name is Rachel Ward. Rachel Ward. This one's for you, Rachel. Anyway, you can find us over on Instagram. Feel free to drop a line. uh, Say hello to us in the comments. If you're new, welcome aboard. If you want to tell your own story, your own weird paranormal event, your own urban legend, your own localized uh you know folk tale from from where you live drop us a dm or shoot it over to that would be rad pod at gmail.com even better than that we would love to hear your voice telling your own story uh that may make it in a future episode and you can do that on our website which is that would be your where you can leave a voice memo directly to us we'll take that add some sound design and possibly show it in a future episode we have a whole lot of stories uh, sort of piling up and, uh, you know, we're trying to figure out, you know, do we do that a full episode of, of listener stories or do we kind of, you know, sort of trickle them in here and there. But, you know, the more the merrier, we love to hear it. So, if you have anything like that you can think of, if you have a weird movie that you're trying to discover, we'd love to hear mm-hmm. about it. Any of that kind of stuff that, you know, that kind of has slipped under the radar of, you know, the modern day internet. We're here for it. We love it. Buy us a coffee. uh, Buy some merch on our merch tree. uh, Join our Patreon, the Rabbit Trail. Uh, If you need more, that would be rad content. And uh, I guess that's about it. You got anything, Woody? I think that's it, man.
1: I hope you guys had a great summer. Yeah. And we're gearing up for an incredible fall. Mm -hmm. And, man, it's uh, going to be awesome. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, dude. Same here. Well, we love you. We appreciate you. And as always, be rad.
1: That's the way it goes. Michael uh Michelangelo pff Michelangelo. Ma Michelangelo. Uh Mike- <laughs>
0: Michelangelo. <laughs>